Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 102. We are discussing the WGC HSBC Champions and the Bermuda Championship on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you? I'm in fine fettle. Good. Good. After a, I had a really bad night's sleep, but um, I'm in fine fettle for some reason. By about two o'clock, I'll be collapsing on my bed, I expect. You're dreaming about your uh, Bermuda Championship winners overnight, keeping you uh, keeping you awake, wasn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't that. It was my son that kept walking into the, to my bedroom. Oh, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't help, does it? Time change. Mm. Not good. Uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Follow Paul at Golf Betting, and you can follow me at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I've just recorded the HSBC Champions uh, show, which I will place in this podcast description box. Podcast, it's available on a whole um, plethora, that's a good word, of uh, podcast platforms. Apple, uh, we're now on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on Podbean. You can find us wherever you want to. We're also on YouTube. And as, as I always say each and every week, we would love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever way you uh, think of it, because those ratings and reviews give us a huge boost in terms of our visibility. Now, I will read our latest review, which comes from Born Unlucky who is in Great Britain. Thank you for your time, Born Unlucky. He actually tweeted me to say that I think he said it was the uh, first time in about eight years that he's actually logged in to iTunes (laughs) to actually place this review. Uh, The title is 100 Not Out, Five Stars. Uh, The best golf betting podcast there is bar none. The depth of information in the podcast and in particular on the website is invaluable. Brilliant. Whether you decide to follow Steve and Paul's uh, tips blind or just you use the information to find your own betting angles, Golf Betting System is essentially for any golf punter. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Not too many podcasts of any sort do that. Keep up the good work, fellas. You save me hours of donkey work every week. That is true because we do the donkey work for you. Uh, many thanks, and here's to the next 100 episodes. So thank you, Born Unlucky. That is a uh, superb piece of feedback. Yeah, thank you. Very nice. Thank you very much for taking the time to do that and uh, for clearly having to dig out your um, Apple password that was probably long, uh, long since forgotten. Oh, mate. <laughs> Eight years down the line. It I'd have been going through my folder of uh, passwords that if anyone broke into my house would find oh, quite God. easily. I shouldn't be saying that on a podcast. probably. <laughs> Um, should we talk about last week? Mm, yes. We won't talk about Tiger first off. That's boring. You know, my Twitter feed's been blowing up. Yeah, Tiger. Let's mania. talk about your Justin Walters one hundred and twenty-five to one bet. Yeah, it's. I, I guess it's frustrating, isn't it? When you almost had the winner. 
yeah, in one way, you look at it at the start of the week and you put up some shorter prices and you put up some longer prices and, and the kind of hope with these guys that are three figures is that they can sneak an each way place. And, and when they do, it's nice. It's, uh, it, it sorts, uh, sorts your week, it sorts two or three weeks out, really. Um, but then when they get that close, it's frustrating that they don't actually convert. And uh, mm. they had a great chance, Wolves, didn't they? Um, he's two shots clear at one point on Saturday. Um, yeah. He was... You know, it, it, it was probably on Friday actually thinking about it because Saturday was the, the day that he... Uh, no, it was started. Saturday. I was watching it in the clubhouse. Oh, that's right, yeah, and yeah. He was, he was too he, clear, yeah. He started yeah, to... Uh, started, it was kind of birdie, bogey, birdie, bogey on Saturday, wasn't it? And he kind of mm. kind of got that um, iffy round out of his system. Then uh, then for 15 holes on Sunday, um, was just getting closer and closer to the lead. And, you know, you thought at one point he was going to do this, but a couple of bogeys on the 16th and then the final hole and ends up losing out by a shot to uh, to Stephen Brown, who was in a similar kind of predicament, wasn't he, Brown? He needed to, uh, he actually needed a top two finish to secure his card. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. It is. And, the and last the- time I came across Stephen Brown, correct me if I'm wrong, I know mm. I, I, when I actually looked yesterday morning what he'd done prior to winning in Portugal, he'd finished 11th the week before, didn't he? In he did, Paris, in, in, uh, in France, yeah, that's right. But um, the only time I've come across him, in my mind, was when he was in that. Is it was it a four or five man playoff at? Was it in um, Denmark? Yeah, the one right. that Matt Wallace won. Yeah, there's him and um, Jigger Thompson, wasn't there? And yeah, who was right. the other one? Forget there's a Notty, someone like that. I forget who the fourth person was. There, but yeah, Brown was in that, and uh, that was the closest that he had come prior to uh, prior to winning. And hadn't top ten between then and now, I believe. No, no. and yeah, well, clearly what was price in, was he. What price uh, was it? One fifties, one hundred and fifty to one. Even though that he'd finished, as you said, he'd finished eleventh the week before in France, so had shown some signs of life. But prior to that, there was just a, a string of miscuts and poor finishes. So that looked like a bit of a bolt out of the blue. Um, had got no previous um, really tangible um, course yeah. form at uh, Portugal, so it was quite easy to leave out. Even though uh, you know had flashed a little bit of form, but. Um, yeah, he was he was great, wasn't he? You know, bogey free, a bogey free weekend actually um, for Brown. And uh, we came from completely off the pace, didn't he? he did yeah. And uh, when you've got your play, playing privileges, you know, all of that pressure on you coming down the stretch, and to produce two bogey free rounds, and to to uh, to to reel in stone, and to keep uh, keep Waters at bay. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, it, I, I can't, I, I can't begrudge you, you know, Brown the win, and um, I can't be too disappointed really with Walters for not winning because you know the interviews that you see with him, the, the raw emotion is just, it just brings it all, brings it all home really, um, and you know, fair play to the pair of them. Disappointing, yes, not to get the win, but uh, but yeah, profitable overall. Uh, the one I was really disappointed with actually was Darren Fickard. Um, who I didn't tip. I had him in um, one of my DraftKings teams. I put five teams in last week, and uh, they were built around my tips and then just a couple of odd players here and there, and one of them had Fickard in. And um, I was leading the um, DraftKings, uh, the, the main GPP, at various points over the weekend and um, ended up finishing fifth in it because Fickard went out and shot 7-7 over his final two holes. So bogey, treble bogey. 
So <laughs> like me down at the door, the Royal Dorset Golf Club on Friday. So uh, yeah, I'm keeping. I'm oh, sorry, co- I was shooting twelve ten for my 10, first two holes. Yeah, that's, that's probably, first two holes rather than the final. That's probably two. the equivalent of Bigard's uh, seven seven. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I was keeping a close eye on it clearly um, as I was getting closer to the end, and then. Um, it was more about what uh, what Walt was was going to do. So I took my eye off the ball a little bit with Fickart and then came back and saw that he'd just uh, he'd dropped about 30 places down the leaderboard over the final two holes and absolutely torpedoed my team, which... Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, not not the best. Thanks for that, Dan. <laughs> not the best. What is it with that? What is it? Was it just the relatively dry conditions that brought these South Africans flying in from every direction in on the yeah, leaderboard? There was there was a lot of them, wasn't there? They they clearly yeah. relished the uh, relished the conditions last week. It was fairly firm though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's um, you know we've seen. Hence, years... it wasn't quite as low as we usually see the score in there. No, and we've seen years go by in, in years past where it's been really soft because of the the, the weather conditions. But um, but yeah, a few a few tweaks to the course um, toughened it up a little bit, but nothing major. But yeah, as you say, it wasn't it wasn't as soft and receptive as, as we've seen in some years. And uh, yeah, perhaps that did bring. You know these bent grass loving South Africans into the mix a little bit more in in drier conditions. So yeah, one to consider when you see a similar kind of forecast for Portugal in the years to come. I think uh, over in Japan, of course, Tiger claimed his eighty second PGA Tour victory, which ties him for the top. Is it with Sam Snead? Yes, yeah, incredible performance, isn't it? Incredible career performance. The number that I saw on a tweet which really grabbed my attention was the fact that he's won three times in his last 11 tournaments. Mm. And you wouldn't you wouldn't grant that, would you? No. But he, he starts sporadically. But three wins in his last 11. And he was 33 to 1. But he hadn't played since the BMW Championship. But clearly this knee surgery has completely revolutionised him physically, yeah. and now all of a sudden there's less strain on his back. Uh, he, he was just saying in in the interviews that went off after he'd actually hit the front, <laughs> saying how he you know his he, his practice has been so much better. Yeah. I think what it does do is put everyone on high alert for next year. Yeah, well, absolutely. And you look at those three wins; they were all um, decent events, very strong events with um, 60 or more OWGR points um, as the uh, as the prize for the top winner. So they weren't just Mickey Mouse events, as we know. They were decent. decent to events. a championship, the Masters and the Zozo. Absolutely. No, not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> no. Which, uh, they weren't, yeah, noticeably, they weren't full field events. So there's yeah. something to potentially look at. But yeah. Yeah, Most people, I, I don't. I personally, I'm sure there are people out there. I don't think anyone was really getting involved on him last week no. at 33 to one no. on the base he hadn't started for over two and a half months. He's always going to be he was a tough 37th call. 37th at the BMW last time out. He's always going to be a difficult one to try and assess. And as you say, you had the, the surgery that had happened in the meantime, and uh, you know, it, it's really it should have been a watching brief for everyone. And the uh, the bet that I saw on our Facebook group, which uh, I. I really thought was positive was um, one of our, one of the guys on there backed him after the first three holes. And you remember he started bogey, bogey, bogey for the tournament. So he effectively gave everyone a three shot head start anyway. Um, and the guy, I forget his name on the, on the Facebook group picked him up at 90 to one after those first three holes. And uh, the rest's history as you, as you, as you know, very impressive. 
We said in the podcast last week, firstly, I said I thought Asian form was important. I said mm. that form in Japan was important. We mentioned Dunlop Phoenix. He'd won that twice. Yeah. <laughs> I also And we also spoke through all the different President's Cups, President Cup scenarios, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose Woodland, who got in the mix and delivered. Yeah. Plateaued over the weekend that was disappointing, but there you go. I think a lot of that was playing 36 holes with Tiger. Um, and the pressure that that brings, uh, the crowd and the focus and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's but... The whole circus, isn't it? The one, you know, and we mentioned Sung J.M., Corey Connors on the international side. The one person that never entered my mind was the fact that Tiger would want to go out and win it just to say, well, there you go. There's, I'm going to play. <laughs> I'm picking myself. I'm going to be the President's <laughs> Cup playing captain. Yeah. yeah, I'm picking myself and there's absolutely no reason to contest it because no, no. I deserve that pick. Interesting now then. So he's going to clearly play. That leaves three spots. Mm. You'd assume that Woodland's going to be very hard not to pick now that he's the reigning US Open champion and has just gone 3-4 in his last two tournaments. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Reed won in the playoffs and is Captain America. And that then leaves, what, Tony Fee now? Is he going to be forced to pick Phil Mickelson because the networks and the PGA of America would like him to, even though he's playing awfully? And there might be a quite a, a drama with the US press if he doesn't pick Phil and the rivalry and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. We we will find out on Monday, of course, because the four captain picks are going to be um, released and revealed after the HSBC champions this week. Yeah, big week for Tony Finnow as well, isn't it? Because he's playing over in... Uh... Shanghai, so it's uh, make or break for him this week. I think if Fee now was to contend and go very, very close, in a way, that's almost saying, you know, you'd be mad to pick Phil Mickelson mm. unless Phil comes from the dead this week, which could happen. He's won twice around here, so uh, you never know. There haven't been many positive signs though, have there? No, and he's been played. He's played a lot more golf over the last few months than Tiger Woods had. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision. As you say, Monday will be the day to keep an eye on it. Right then, you've um, pulled together your WGC HSBC Champions preview this week. Do you want to crack on? Yeah, I guess it is by far the biggest tournament this week as well because the. Alternate Bermuda Championship is um, particularly uh, particularly weak, isn't it? Which we'll come to in a few minutes. But uh, and to be fair, um, this week's HSBC Champions isn't the strongest. I mean, out of the four WGCs, anyway, it tends to be the one that's um, that's weaker of the four. But at least you get a good chunk of the, the world's top ten that attend the other three. And this one um, really is the poor relation, isn't it? So. Yeah, um, we've only got from the top ten uh, McElroy, Rose, and Xander, who's defending. Um, outside of that, everyone's uh, dipping a bit further down the world rankings. So, I think you know, strictly speaking, I expect the Zozo field last week was probably stronger. Yeah, it was um, than this, which uh, does make a bit of a mockery of the WGC status. Anyway, uh, it's still a decent event. Um, we're off to China, as we know. It's the uh, final WGC of the season. 
Rory heads the betting this week at six to one. Um, Hideki Matsuyama at twelve to one. Xander fourteen to one. Uh, Rose at sixteen. Paul Casey twenty two. Tony Finnell we just mentioned twenty five to one this week. Tommy Fleetwood twenty five to one. As you said off, off mic, Steve, he's going to have to lose an arm before he's going to be any deeper in the bet in the twenty five to one. I think it uh, doesn't. Uh, doesn't he, never, he never seems to lengthen in price, does he? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, you, you might take a chance on someone like Tony uh, Tommy Fleetwood if he was uh, if he was a backable price. You no, know, if, if he was playing consistently fantastic stuff in top ten every week, I might understand it. Mm. Just not he there, was um, twenty eight to one last week for the Zozo Championship, Tommy Fleetwood, and based on his twenty something position, he's been cut to twenty fives for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there must have been something in there that, uh, that that I've missed, I think. So Fleetwood, 25s. Patrick Reed at 30. Adam Scott, 33 to 1. Uh, Song J M, 33s. Henrik Stenson, 33s. Then you've got the likes of uh, Bernd Wiesberger, Jordan Spieth at 35s, 40 to 1, bar those dozen or so players. So, How much did you lose on Jordan Spieth with your... Uh... Of my, of my children's Zozo championship. Yeah. He started with a fly. Was it six over after the first round? Yeah, I think it might have been five, but I'd given up by that point. <laughs> he hit. He hit three of eighteen greens, I believe, in round one. Yeah, that doesn't tend to work. Doesn't tend to help, does it? Yeah, no, that's my kind of standard of play. Sometimes you you kind of look at these events and uh, see something that's completely just not there, don't you? And uh, slap yourself in the forehead after eighteen hours and realise it was just money down the drain. Yeah, there was that and um, Graham McDowell who, uh, who decided after 18 holes to, to knock it on the head, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a particularly good Zozo championship for myself. He plays say. next week at Mayakoba, McDowell. Yeah, well... That's, One to keep a note of. That's, uh, you know, despite the performance last week, I think there's nah. been enough underlying... Mm. How many times have we seen a WD and then someone just pops up? Yeah, yeah, as, as you know... With any type of WD, you don't tend to know the full story of it, so uh, there could be all sorts of reasons to uh, to dig into for, for Graham McDowell. So, sorry, we digress. Indeed, mate. yeah, Pretty just mate. wallowing in the uh, in the pain yep. of two two missed um, missed bets last week. So yeah, back to the course. Then Shishan has hosted this event since two thousand and five, except for twenty twelve when it headed over to uh, Mission Hills, which in Polter won that week. I was on yeah, Polter. Yeah, I was on Polter that week. I remember picking it out quite yeah. nicely, which uh, um, which was nice. It's a shame it's not gone back to Mission Hills because clearly I've got uh, a little bit of a grip on that particular track. But uh, we're back to Shishan. So if you're looking at the course history stats on the site this week, then. Bear in mind that 2012 was on a different track. All the others, even before the HSBC Champions became a WGC event, it was still held here at Shoshana in Shanghai. It's 7,261 yard past 72, uh, relatively wide but tree line track. Um, standard 72 fair, really. So four par fives, a drivable par four on there as well. Reasonably speedy bent grass greens. And... Um, the thing with this track is historically it hasn't really favoured any particular type of player um, over one another. There's been a lot of different styles get into the mix um, at various points over the years. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, 2014 was the... It's the, incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've got Bubba Watson winning in 2014, I think it was. Yep. And then the year after that, Russell Knox. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if you want two polar opposites 
in just the just the winner circle. Yeah. And I remember the year Bubba won, and you put it in the preview. He beat Tim Clark in a in a um in a playoff. Bubba Watson and Tim Clark playoff. I I, I don't think you could have if if you'd have tried to do that as a uh, as a straight forecast or a dual yeah, forecast. Yeah, I know. It would have been a. It took a miracle for Bubba to win it, didn't he? Didn't he chip in on the last to make the play? He held a bunker incredible. shot. Didn't he? I think he held a bunker shot for Eagle yeah. or something like that on the last. And otherwise, to... Tim Clark would have had a WGC to his name. Well, that's it. And then you look. It changes the dynamic of the the, uh, the way you assess this tournament, doesn't it? Because Tim Clark wins, and then Russell Knox wins. And you've got the likes of Francesco Molinari who've won it in the past, and you think, well, you know, there's that kind of track. But then the, the other way of looking at it is, of course, you've got Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, um, Phil Mickelson, players who, you know, again, they're entirely different in terms of their style and the length of yeah. the tee. Um, it is... Uh, it is and la- last year, we had the three-way shootout be- between X-Man, or Brooks Koepka Light, mm-hmm. um, Justin Rose and Tony Fino is just Bomber City. Yeah. And the point with Xander last year, he he hits one third of fairways over the course of the entire week. 33.3% of fairways in the entire wow. week. Um, which I know you don't, particularly on the PGA Tour over in, over in America, you don't tend to have to be the most accurate to get the job done. But even so, if you're missing two thirds of fairways on any tournament, you're leaving yourself in uh, all sorts of trouble. Um, yeah, you got the job done. Um, a mad, mad number for that. And um, just, I'll just run through some of the previous winners' odds because that does tell a tell a story of the kind of player we may be looking for this week. Going back to 2010, Francesco Molinari won at 55s. 2011 was Martin Keimer at 25 to one. Uh, Poulter won at Mission Hills in t- in 2012 at 20 to one. So you can kind of scrub that from your analysis. I think this week. Dustin Johnson was 40 to 1 the year after Bubba, as we've said, 28. Now, Russell Knox is the only real outlier in this list, 150 to 1. And that was Russell Knox's maiden um, WGC. In fact, his debut WGC performance, or the first time he'd actually played a WGC. So, um, picking him out with some indifferent form in the lead up to it, too. At 150 to one, would have been uh, would have been some coup if you could have been on him. Uh, 2016 with Deki Matsuyama at 22 to one. Justin Rose at 20s the year after, and Xander was a huge 66 to one last year to win before the event started. But if you take Russell Knox out of the mix, really ranging from kind of the 20 to one bracket all the way up to 55, 66 to one for Xander. So. Other than Russell Knox, there's not been any massive shocks here, I don't think, over the, the last few years. And I think when you look through the field this week, there's a lot of players in that kind of sub 50 to 1 bracket that you could build a build a case for. So it may not be the week to, to really attack some of the longer prices, although I have included one in my, my portfolio this week. Um, but um, I suspect the winner probably comes from kind of a sub 50 to 1 um, or shorter bracket this week. Differing styles, as we've talked about. I mean, for me, generally, I think you need to be hitting a lot of greens here. Um, you need to be putting well. Um, if you look at all of those names I just read through, the worst putting performance on the week was 18th relative to the field. Most of the winners here had had kind of a top 5 or top 8 type of putting performance I think your flat stick needs to be pretty warm 
And I think if you're hitting a lot of greens in regulation, clearly if you play it like Xander and you're attacking everything from the rough, then it's going to be tougher to do so. Um, if that's the case, then you're going to need an absolute stellar um, short game. Now, last year was the, the real outlier, I guess, in terms of stats because um, the top eight or so players all had fantastic short game and fantastic putting performances and GIR was kind of left on the shelf for last year. Um, I suspect this year the conditions are going to be slightly easier. I think it's going to be dry. I think it's going to be um, a little warmer. Um, and uh, a little less windy than it was last year and the year before. 14 under one the last two years, and I suspect we're going to get a little bit deeper into the, uh, you know, the higher teens, I expect, this week, which, um, which again, changes the dynamic for me a little. I think GIR is going to be um, a more useful stat to, um, to use this week. And in terms of incoming form of those winners, all of them had a top 12 finish in the last five starts, and this is a fairly elite field so you'd expect that from a bulk of the players but um, if you're going to be as rigid as that you can scrub a few players from your list this week um, in terms of course form as I said Russell Knox was a debutant Dustin Johnson was a debutant when he won um, yet you've got the likes of Rose and Molinari Keimer uh, Bubba Watson all of them are top 10 here before Phil Mickelson as we said before has won this event twice so um, it's <laughs> I guess you weigh it all up, and there's there's a number of ways you can 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 attack it. I mean, for me, I think um one of the elite players at the top is likely to win it. Rory McIlroy um is the clear favourite this week, but for me, Rory keeps producing this one round. Often it's the first round as well, which is um, which is taking him out of golf tournaments. And if you're backing him at six to one this week, you've got to hope that he gets out of the blocks relatively quickly. Um, Xander, it was interesting, Xander, because I think he has fared reasonably well when he's defended his title so far in his career. You know, he's not had that many chances to do so. I'm sure he'll have plenty of chances to do so as he um, works through his uh, his career as, over the next few years. Um, I suspect from his own perspective, um, it will be a mental um, hurdle for him to overcome to to find a way to defend a, a golf tournament. We've talked we've talked about before about Xander and what really gets his juices flowing, and when he's out of contention, it kind of tends to. Well, he did it again last week. Yeah, he kind of takes his foot off the. He shoots as he gas, shoots a sixty five in round three. Uh, to get himself right in the mix. Bearing in mind, I had Woodland and Xander. Mm. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, if I can get two in the each way spots here, that's a nice little week. Yeah. Quite profitable. And then, sure enough. Once Woods goes how many shots clear, Xander starts throwing bogeys in everywhere and ends up finishing 10th. Yep. And that's just him. He does, he does. He... He's, he's barely an each-way punt, you know. He's barely an each-way punt because he either wins or doesn't... You know, he came second, I think, didn't he, at Tour Championship. Yeah, but and again... He, he, is, he just loses complete focus once he knows that he can't win. Is it is that more a case of you know the, the, with the tour championship there was some you know there, there was an extra motivation there he clearly won the tournament before um, you know it, again is he trying to prove something to himself where it goes to somewhere where there's there's less kind of mental stimulation for him almost and uh, as soon as the chance has gone that's it he's, he's kind of it's almost downing tools isn't it and just go through the motions yeah. for the rest of the 
And at fourteen to one, you can't really do that, can you? From a punter's perspective, it's win or bust, really, I'm, isn't I'm it? Yeah, I think o- it? Otherwise, you're backing very little else in the field. No, it's it's, it's kind of it, you know anything kind of sub twenty five to one with Xander. It's almost as if well, you you, you, you don't play him each way. You, you go win only, um, and mm. um, and and accept the fact that he might win or he might uh, might end doing, doing absolutely nothing or doing absolutely nothing yep. on the Sunday once he's out of. Uh, out of contention. Now, for, for me, at the top end, I, I couldn't really build much of a case for any of the other guys, Rose or Casey or, or Tony Finnell. Clearly, Finnell's going to be motivated with this President's Cup uh, scenario. Tommy Fleetwood, as we've just touched on, it's just, there's nothing really exciting me. The only one who I am excited about and I've backed win only is Hideki Matsuyama. Um, twice the price of Rory um, and... You know, the only thing that you might pull negatively out of Matsuyama is that he's he's not won for the last two years. And um, the last time he did win, I mean, for a player of his standard and quality, that, that's it's a mad stat. But the last time he did win was at uh, WGC. That was at uh, Akron for the WGC Bridgestone back in twenty seventeen. We were on board that week actually when he uh, he played fantastic, didn't he? The final. The final round that day was some of the best ball striking um, that you, you will see from a professional golfer. He was incredible that week. And some changes since though, he's, he's lost a bit of weight. I, you know, these these golfers are constantly striving for that le- next level of athleticism, aren't they? And he, he lost something like seven kilos um, trying to uh, to improve his physique, um, change his caddy, became a father in the meantime. And all of this over the last couple of years, nothing's happened in terms of his... Um, in terms of his winning form, um, what I can see though is over the last few weeks he seems to be much better, and um, there seems to be something percolating. And you occasionally pick up snippets. He doesn't do many English interviews, but when you do grab something where he's he's given something back in English, there's um, there's some seriously positive signs and words that are coming from his coming from himself as to how. He feels that his game's coming along. And third at the CJ Cup, where he finished with a 65, side his way through the field that week. Second last week behind Tiger. And to be fair, he probably coming into Sunday or coming into the final round or the final parts of the final round, he really needed a, a barrage of birdies. And it didn't quite happen. He missed a, missed a short one that would have put him within um, a, a shot of the lead at that point and maybe exerted a little bit of pressure on Tiger. But... Uh, I don't think Tiger was going to relinquish that anyway, really. Um, but his irons look really good both weeks. He's back into the high GIR stats for, for him. Um, he was first for putting last week overall in Japan, which was really positive. And if you go back through his history, when he's got these spikes in his putting performances, a win tends to be just around the corner. He'd done something very similar before he last um, he, won, he won that last event in um, in uh, at uh, Akron at the uh, the BMW at the WGC Bridgestone back in 2017. That purple patch that we saw at the end of 2016 the year before where he won four times in the straight in in the space of five events. Again, it was just where his normal game had been absolutely where he expected to be, but suddenly there's that spark and that uh, sustained form with the putter. Um, and if you look during that stretch back in 2016, one of those wins was here. He absolutely sauntered to a seven-shot victory that uh, that year. So um, loves the course, playing some decent stuff. 
I couldn't find any reason really to oppose um, Hideki this week. There's uh, enough to like about him to, to put a, a decent sizable chunk on for a win only bet. 12 to 1, I can't really justify going each way on him this week, but uh, I think he's the, uh, the most likely winner, so uh, I'll uh, back him accordingly. Three others that I've backed this week. Bernd Wiesberger's the first one, 30 to 1. He actually opened up very, very briefly at 50 to 1 with one firm, which was an absolute mad price for a player who's won three times this year. A couple of them Rolex series wins um, that were both in decent enough company. And to be fair, it's got to be respected. Um, 50 to 1 was never the right price for him. 30 to 1 is the is much closer to where he should be this week. And um, again, I've backed him each way. Um to see how he gets on this week. All seven of his wins have come between 13 under and 22 under, which is absolutely spot on for this track. He doesn't appear to be one of those more technical players who needs a very um, tough track or you know, a tough scoring week to contend. Um, he needs needs to see a few of the birdies flowing, and I think that's right up his alley this week. One of those wins was in China at the Shenzhen International back in 2017, I'm going to say maybe a little bit earlier actually, I forget off the top of my head, beat Tommy Fleetwood that year, um, so clearly some decent China form as well. Um, with Wiesberger, fundamentally he's a GIR merchant, we've seen in the past he, he grinds out greens and uh, makes the odd putt. What we've noticed over this year, and the reason that he's won three tournaments, is that his putting has moved on to the next level. He's been outstanding with the flat stick. He led the field for putting when he won in Denmark, similar kind of performances when he won his two Rolex series events. And um, I, I think with this potential for him to win the race to Dubai, um, and he's got a big chance to do it. Uh, John Rahm's not playing this week. John Rahm sits second behind him in the standings at the moment. No Rahm. Um, and no run next week either from what I'm reading so he's got a massive opportunity to move forward and uh, and build what could be an unassailable lead at the top of the race to Dubai so um, I'll be interested to see how he goes this week Shishan former 17, 35 and 9th on his last appearance he led the field for greens and regulation last time he played it all seems to be coming together very nicely for Bernd Wiesberger and I think actually for him with this race to Dubai scenario, I think the real pressure will come over the next few weeks. I wonder if there's almost like a free hit this week because he's going to go to this event and there's no rhyme there to exert the pressure on him. And he knows he's playing some fantastic golf. So I think he'd go particularly well this week. At 30 to 1, uh, Tyrrell Hatton is another I've backed. 40 to 1 for Tyrrell. We've mentioned him a few times on the pod recently as a player who seems to be trending in a positive direction, and I'm happy to uh, to jump on board while he's uh, while he's moving in that direction. He's that kind of player, isn't he? Where if everything's positive with Tyrrell, then his game's positive. There's a smile on his face, and uh, he can produce some decent results. When it's the opposite, when things are starting to go down and badly, and uh, not not to the way that he, that he likes them, then it seems to be a kind of a negative spiral. So I think he's on a on a positive spiral right now, and I think we need to uh, support him accordingly as he's uh, as he's moving up the gears. Twelve straight rounds of pile better over the last few weeks. Fifteen for the Daniel Links, eighteen for the Italian Open, sixth at the CJ Cup on his last start and 90.3 greens regulation of the CJ Cup that's a career best for Tyrrell Hatton 
So his irons are working very, very nicely indeed at the moment, which, again, I think is going to be a critical aspect here. If you look at his stats, he missed 31 putts inside 20 feet when he um, finished sixth at the CJ Cup. Now, for Till Hatton... How, how do you get that number? Um, I think he tweeted it out himself. I think he tweeted himself... Cause they, they keep, sorry. They keep these uh, very detailed stats, don't they? On the on they themselves. clearly do. They just don't give them to the likes of us. No, absolutely. But you know, you look at Till Hatton, and he's that kind of player. I, I see. There's a few players in world golf that you see standing over a twenty twenty five footer. You think, well, you know, he's got a great chance of making that because he's that kind of player. And Till's one of those players. I I think he's a very good mid range putter. So for him to miss that many. After after hitting over ninety percent of greens that week, um, I don't think that sustains. I think that the next time he gets that many opportunities, he probably makes another five or six or, or eight. Of yeah, those. yeah, I agree. And uh, I also I also love motivation for players at this time of the year. Yeah, it's huge. Isn't and it? he's got serious motivation because if he doesn't pull his finger out, he's going to drop out of the world's top fifty. Absolutely, forty ninth right now. So mm. um, it's no masters appearance uh, or no masters invite. No. Landing on your doormat in December. No, no, and he's better than mm. that. He's 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 well entitled to be sitting inside the uh, yeah, I think the, so. the top fifty. So he loves this time of year, and as we said, he's the kind of player who moves forward positively. Course form of fifty fourth, twenty third, eleventh, twenty second is solid, unspectacular, but um, I think there's a decent enough foundation there, and he's I think he's well comfortable now playing at this kind of level. Um, sixth at the Open Championship at Portrush a few, uh, few months back. He's, he's not overawed, and this is nowhere near the level of a major championship with the field as low as we've talked about already. And finally, I have pushed one player out who's um, who's in the three-figure bracket. I've backed Zinjin Zhang, the Chinese player. At Zinjin Zhang. Zinjin Zhang. Been playing well, hasn't he, in, he the, is in America? Well, Zhang, yeah. Mm. 150 to 1 I got yesterday with the, with the Unibet. I yeah. see he's been trimmed in a little bit, but there's still some 125s out there in various firms. So if you fancy a bit of Zhang, then I'd jump on quickly because I think that's a false price. I think he's probably should be um, 100 to 1 or shorter, personally. And until this year, all of his wins had come in his homeland. He'd won four in China over the, the last few years. But he seems to have stepped up a level in 2019. Two wins on the Corn Ferry over the course of the season. He actually led the um, regular season points list, which meant that he got automatic promotion back to the, um, the PGA Tour after having had a pretty poor debut season back in 2018. But he started nicely. Um, he started this... PGA Tour season, like he, it, you know, it, it seems like he's stepped up a up a layer, up a gear and up a up a level. Um, seventh at the Safeway, sixteenth at the Shriners, fourth in Houston on his last start as well. And all aspects of his game are looking strong. Fourth for driving accuracy at the Shriners, eighth for greens in regulation, fourth for putting at Houston. So some very nice stats starting to come through in his game and. Uh, you know, you look at someone like Zhang, who's um, not been at the top level of golf, but because he's um, Chinese, he's had access to this event over the years, and he's actually played five times at Shishan over the over the, over his career to date. Twice mm. he's sat in eighth position, heading into the, into the Sunday, and um, he shot yeah, yeah. sixty four round here as well. I think there's more to like about him at this price than a, than a lot of players who are kind of between that 60, 66, 80, 100 to 1 bracket 
I think there's um, well, he's playing some nice golf. He is sixteen to one in the top Asian market. Mm. Again, that could be an angle. Yeah, yeah. Some of these side markets can throw up a nice little bit of um, yeah, like nice little bit of. Just to put value. that in perspective, Paul, how Tong Lee, who's in absolutely horrible form, is ten to one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And mm. Lee does play. How Tong Lee plays some. Uh, some nice golf when he comes back to China, but as you say, there's just not enough there to to justify punting him. I'd far prefer uh, Zinjin Zhang this week. So, uh, hundred hundred and fifty to one was my final dart for this particular week. For that, so that's my four. Any others that caught your eye, Steve? Like Matsuama. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Sometimes. He goes on these hot streaks, doesn't he? He does, especially um, when the part is it, te- it, it, it tends to be when he's been home. And it, as you said, it tends to be when he's actually found the putter. Mm. Um, is Rory bothered? I dug into this a few weeks ago. Uh, actually, it was last week because of, the C, uh, because of the Zozo being the same week that the HSBC usually is. Yeah. And the winner of the, the HSBC tends to be someone that's finished in the top 15 of the Tour Championship. Yeah. Which Matsuama did, um, and it tends to be someone that hasn't won for a period of time, yeah, which yeah. Matsuama hasn't. Yep, yep. It all tends to seems to be mm. adding up to that kind of that, that kind of answer. I think he was by far my my standout bet and standout pick this week. He's uh, I think he's the champion elect here. If I'm going down the angle I've been chasing for a long while and President's Cup, the one I think will come from the mid-pack is Patrick Reed because he has to. Mm. He has to give Tiger no option not to pick him. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Because, for example, if um, if he goes down the line of Woodland, Finau has a great week, um, he, ha- he picks Phil Mickelson because he's kind of told he needs to and he's picking himself... All of a sudden, Reed could be missing out. Although you know he's Captain America, I just just think to make sure that he's in that four um, player selection, he will get very very um, elevated on the leaderboard this week. Yeah. the The other American that I always think is continually, continually, almost overlooked is Billy Horschel. Mm. And you look at Horschel, the reason that tends to be is because his major championship record is awful. He's only ever finished in the top 10 once, 2013 US Open. And actually, up until recently, his WGC record was poor, which for a player of his ilk and his quality is kind of shocking. But he was 11th here last year, and at the last uh, WGC at St. Jude, he was 9th, which is his first top, top 10 in a, in a WGC Bearing in mind that Horschel was finished, I think it was sixth last week when he was third for putting average, yeah? And he was also um, very, very competitive um, when he finished fourth at Wentworth. Yeah, yeah. So he's finished fourth and sixth in his last three outings. I just think he could uh, he could pop into the mix this week at a WGC, WGC level. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing up to forty to one. Yeah, yeah, eleventh last year as well. So um, clearly starting to get his head around the the course. And yeah, I, I guess 
for me personally, once I'd gone down the route of those two kind of mid-price players, adding, adding oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tough. But um, but yeah, I can. See I do that. like Hatton as well. Yeah. I think Hatton's got the kick up the rear that he needs, and he's certainly starting to. That putter will come. Yes, we, we said oh, that absolutely. last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the putter will come. It 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 has to when you're just creating so many good chances. Mm. Hopefully this week. Hmm. I think so. Right, the Bermuda Championship. This is new on the PGA Tour um, schedule. Um, I've seen some interesting tweets recently about, especially with these alternate second division tournaments that run alongside a major or WGC, and basically saying, I wish that they would open up the criteria to in- to include better Corn Ferry Tour or international players. Yeah. Because this week, it has to be said, for a 120-man field, to to be inviting Keith Clearwater to play is um, it's shocking, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, they've had to scrape the barrel, which is a, a shame, really, isn't it, for, for any PGA I mean, there were names on the alternate list that I didn't even realise had played on the PGA Tour. <laughs> they were adding more to the alternate list on Sunday night because people were dropping out like flies. So... Uh, just, just to make sure they had enough alternates to, uh, to keep the, uh, keep the event going. Now, I didn't realise that Bermuda is such a golf, golfing commune. Mm. Um, seven courses packed into twenty-one square miles. Um, and when we say courses, of course, being in Bermuda, being such a, a t- uh, an American tourist destination, they are of high quality. Yeah. And they are playing the Port Royal Golf Course, which is the best course on the island. It also hosted the PGA Grand Slam of Golf from 2009 through 2014. And that was the event that they would try and get all of the reigning uh, major champions to play. Now, you can draw your own conclusions from this because it was organised by the PGA of America. Um, I would assume that the PGA of America set quite stringent course kind of setup. Um, outliers, if you like, because every 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 um, interview I read over that period, so all oh, the gruff was quite you know tough and blah blah blah. With the PGA Tour in town this week, that might not be the case. Yeah. Um, but just winning scores, bearing in mind that that was a thirty-six hole format over, I think it was like a Monday or a Tuesday or something like that. Uh, Lucas Glover in '09 was eleven under. Ernie Els was five under in 2010. 2011 was Keegan Bradley at four under. Wind must have blown very strongly 2010 and 11. Mm. Harrington nine under in 12. Adam Scott eight under in 2013. He shot a course record seven under 64, which is clearly the course record. And Martin Keimer won the last event, 2014, at six under. So, you know, it's been played by some excellent players that haven't exactly ripped it apart, this golf course. No, no. But beware, you know, like I said, we know with the PGA Tour, they like, uh, birdies are great, aren't they? You've got to shoot under par. You might find that there's absolutely no rough on the property whatsoever and the whole place has been under a hose for the last three weeks. Uh, You just don't know. What I can assure you is, though, that the quality of field from the uh, the Grand Slam well, PGA Grand Slam to this week is completely different. Denny McCarthy is the 16-1 to favourite. Wow. Atlanto Griffin, who won the Houston Open, is at 18-1. to He's uh, 
uh, in joint second favouritism with Alex Noren. Then you've got Scotty Scheffler and Aaron Wise at 20s. I can't believe I'm reading these names out against <laughs> some of these prices. Aaron Wise at 20 to 1. Uh, Russell Knox is a 22 to 1 shot. Your mate Bo is at 25s. Yeah. Uh, Sam Ryder at 28s, who seems very popular with a lot of punters, Sam Ryder. They just follow him week in, week out. I've never really quite got my head around him. At 28s is a bit skinny, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I haven't got to the lower reaches yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Mark Wilson, 600 to 1. Jason Bone, he, I thought he'd retired. He's a 600 to 1 shot. Uh, and the local lads from Bermuda are all 1,000 to 1 shots. They've, they've also brought Jonathan Kay into the mix. Jonathan Kay, I mean, Wow. It, it is a sh- shockingly poor thing. Yeah, and, and I noticed from the form stats that there's probably 30 or so players that haven't played for a, at least three months in terms of competitive outings. So. I think what it means, though, Paul, is from a betting perspective, though, it's quite an attractive heat if you can, if you can pull some kind of angles around mm. it. So let's, let's work this through. It's a coastal golf course. It's short... It's a par 71 at 6,800 yards. Wow. Mm. I can't recall the last time the PGA Tour went to a course like this. That sounds... I mean, European Tour do, but... Yep, yep. Wow. Um, it's an interesting course on the basis that there's a hell of a lot of undulation. So you've got some really high tees down to uh, to low fairways and then vice versa yeah, where yeah. you've got... You've got tees onto, or from the fairway onto greens that are, you know, way up. Very undulating golf course. Um, interestingly, I read a um, interview with Jim Furyk, who basically came out and said it's one of the only golf courses where, to him, power meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. It was all pretty much to him. He said about placement and being able to score. Well, what he meant by that was, you know, basically. Two of the par fives are long par four. So he said he was going in with five iron on, on one of the par fives, and that's yeah. Jim Furyk, who bangs it 280. Yeah. Um, he also mentioned that a lot of the par fours are sub 400 yards. So this could be one of those very rare weeks on the PGA Tour where shorter hitters, I wouldn't say have got an advantage, but they're certainly on a they're level a playing field. Are they? Yeah. And that isn't something that we regularly see. It certainly wasn't something that you would have seen, say, at the Houston Open a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of angles in. Um, and just the way that these alternate events tend to work anyway. Um, I've got a, 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 a section in the preview that you can find in the description box about the winning prices of these events going back. And yes, the last one was won by Colin Morikawa at twelve to one. But you know, previous to that, the the Barbasol was five hundred to one. Jim Herman, yeah, it's just all over the place. Yeah, pluck that one out. Uh, Graham McDowell at forties, Martin Trainer at one twenty fives. Those are the guys that have won the four alternate events so far this year. So we've had twelve to one, forty to one, one twenty five to one, and five hundred to one. Year before that, Cameron Champ at 66s, Putnam 28s, Merritt 55s, Garnet 66s. So, yeah. 
Well, mixed. That's bag. kind of the area that I'm targeting personally. Mm. Thirty to sixty-six to one, I think, could be the spot this week. And I've just got a real problem about backing the lights of Alex Narena eighteen to one when he hasn't had a top ten all year. Um, Russell Knox at twenty-two to one. They're just players that are horribly underpriced for yeah. what they've actually done recently. And yes, you can say that they were class above in a field like this. At their best. But, yeah. you know, you look at Graham McDowell, who won the Corrales this year. He would be in exactly the same space, but he was 40 to 1. And 40 to 1, yeah, I'd, I'd back, I'd, I'd probably back Russell Knox if he was 40 to 1 in this, but he's not. He's mm. 22 to 1. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, when I've had success in these events in the past, it's trying to find players that give them... I, I remember tipping up Aaron Badley a few years ago at the Barber, so only won at 55. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you could tell with Aaron that when he played these events in the past, these alternate events, he actually gave them some respect. Yeah. He didn't just turn up and slash it about and go home or finish 56. No, he some actually of, used it yeah. as a stepping stone. Some of them do see it as a proper opportunity to, to get that card, don't they? Well, at the end of the day, it's a two-year PGA Tour card that you're going to win. Bearing in mind that that starts from next season. So we're looking at next September that starts from. Mm. So you're effectively guaranteeing yourself almost three whole years on the PGA Tour by winning this. And half the players, most of the players can't be bothered to even go and play it. Very bizarre. You know, Harris Harris English was in the field for this and then within a couple... A couple of weeks ago, he withdrew. Didn't fancy it. No, he didn't fancy that that two uh, that two year PGA Tour exemption. Far too uh, far too tempting. So I've gone for four, and I've kind of come at it from different angles. I'll go in reverse order. Why not? I've gone for. Uh, my record with South Koreans is shocking. This guy will miss the cut, but I've gone for <laughs> Kung Kung Hoon Lee. And I thought at 66 to 1, uh, KH is playing some reasonable stuff at the moment. He was 10th in his homeland at the Genesis Championship a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that was the event won by Sung Jae Im. Yeah. And then the week after, he was in sixth spot after 36 holes at the CJ Cup. In fast. You think CJ, well, you think CJ Cup, it was loaded relative to this, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, loaded. Uh, yeah, struggled in, over the weekend, which you'd kind of expect. But in this kind of company, not so sure. Um, 2018 on the Corn Ferry, he finished second in Columbia, second at the North Mississippi Classic, and second at the BMW Charity Pro-Am. All three of those featured courses with Bermuda grass greens. Mm. And this year, seventh at the Honda Classic, 14th at the Texas Open, third at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans with Matt Every. All three of those feature Bermuda grass base greens. Mm. So he clearly likes Bermuda. I just thought 66 to 1 in this field was a big price for a guy that's clearly in some form. And the issue with Lee is usually the putter. The putter is actually starting to warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, this is the kind of golf course that will play as difficult as the weather. Uh, Thursday looks windy up to 20 miles an hour. Could play quite nastily, the golf course. And then from that point, it just eases off. So I reckon mid-teens, potentially anything 17, 18 under might win this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But I do fancy a plotter. 
I'm not so sure it's a bomber's golf course. Well, no, the dimensions would kind of suggest that's the case, wouldn't they? Certainly, I'm going back to that uh, quote from, from Jimbo. It's, mm. uh, it's not that Now, up. if you want someone, uh, and uh, Mike Miller at Smart Golf Bets, um, on Twitter, I believe, although I might have got that wrong, he he classifies this golf course as a second-shot golf course. Mm. So for me, my strokes gained on approach over the last eight weeks wasn't a bad spot to, to look at. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing Scott Harrington in t- at two, Ryan Armour at three. I came close on Armour. Four, Mark Hubbard, Doc Redman and Boo Weekly. I think Boo Weekly is a great bet at 150 to one. Although I think he's been tipped up, so you'll find that will go. So be quick. Russell Knox at seven, yeah. Uh, Lanto Griffin at eight. DJ Trahan at nine. Cameron Percy at ten. And then we've got the likes of Sepp Stracker, who I'd classify more as a bomber and who's never gone back-to-back top ten in his life. He finished fourth in Houston. We've got Brian Stewart and Brian Gay. And those are the two that I've gone for. Mm. Plotters. Scorers, guys that love to play with the what did we always used to say on our on our previews with the smell of seesaw in their nostrils. <laughs> yeah. Reacts by the coast. So I've gone Stewart at thirty to one. Yeah, it's not a great price, but I've got full seven places. Is that there's a bit of thirty threes out there? But I thought in this event, grabbing anything each way is better than nothing. Mm. So I've gone the seven each way with boils at a fifty odds. But you just look at Stewart. Um, eight PGA Tour top tens by the coast. And this year, you know, he's had four top tens and four top twenties in 2019. Just the kind of guy that's trending towards something. And don't forget, he did win on the PGA Tour. He won a 54-hole event at the 2016 Zurich Classic of New Orleans on Bermuda Grass Green. So that was the year before it went to the team event. Yeah. And there's not many in this field, Steve, who can boast a Bermuda win or a win of any description, to be fair. Sets a few you know we're saying taking these tournaments seriously, mm. these alternate events? Twice runner-up at the Mayakoba when it was a um, an event held at Easter. Yeah. Fourth at the Puerto Rico Open and fourth at the Sanderson Farms. So he won't be turning here just to make up the numbers or just to have a few days at, a, at the hotel mm. on a sun lounger. I think you'll find that he's, he's here to play. And then Brian Gay, he's at one and a half points, 40 to one. I've got seven places each way with Paddy Power. Again, he's just another one of these guys. Listen to this. Fifth and sixth at the Sony Open. Eighth and seventh at Pebble Beach. First and sixth at Harpertown. First and fifth at Mayakoba. Fourth and third at Sea Island. I mean, in terms of coastal golf, he's just an absolute animal. And to find him at forty to one, bearing in mind he was seventh two two outings ago yeah. at TPC Summerlin. Yeah, yeah. And you remember that 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 um, tournament in Las Vegas is always of a very high quality. Yeah. He was a genuine seventh in that. Um, he's just he's already fourteenth for par four scoring so far on the PGA Tour this year. And in my eight um, my eight week trackers, he sits third for scrambling, twelfth for putting average, thirteenth for strokes gained on approach. 
that's a deadly number for someone that's such a great putter. Mm. And eighth for strokes gained putting. He's also 12th for strokes gained total. So in my mind, he's 12th in the field in terms of his recent form on that number. Yeah, I agree. So I, I took the 40 to 1. I think that's a that's a decent bet on Brian Gay. Yeah, I mean, one thing with Gay is we know he's not a long hitter, so this the, again the dimensions of this track are gonna gonna suit him very yeah, nicely. Yeah, yeah, I think when these guys turn up and realise, oh, six thousand. Well, they must know already. They you know they they're clearly well up to spec with with what the courses are before they turn up. Mm. But someone like Stewart and someone like Gay must look at this opportunity as a real chance on a very short golf course. Yeah, and then finally. One in the middle there, 33 to 1. A guy that is a real talent, I think. A guy that's just hitting his straps in terms of his play at the moment. Again, in my eight-week field tracker, he sits fifth for driving accuracy. Brilliant for round here. Second for greens in regulation. Well, we're saying it's a second-shot golf course. That'll do me. Second for strokes gained off the tee. Fourth for strokes gained on approach. And second for strokes gained tee to green. And that's those numbers are kind of almost um, being hidden by the fact that his form doesn't appear that great. Uh, for, uh, 24th at the Greenbrier, 52nd at the um, Sanderson Farms, 42nd at TPC Summerlin, but 13th last time out in Houston, where he closed with 69-67, so top 10 in the field for both of those rounds. Mm. The putter finally connected for Doc Redmond. Um a very, very talented amateur, 2017 US amateur champion, won that at Riviera Country Club. Uh, he had the likes of Sam Burns, Robert McIntyre, the, the Scotsman, Yoking Neiman and Matthew Wolfe in that field. He beat John Oda and Doug Gim in the semi and uh, the final to win that. He was also second in the year, uh, in the Western Amateur that year, losing in the final in a playoff to Norman Jong. Mm. So this is this is a guy that's mixed it with the best young talent. Um, you may recall he basically jumped the Corn Ferry by finishing second this year. Um, I think it was at the... Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was at that event that they played in Detroit. Yeah. Came from nowhere, finished second on the PGA Tour. And that's the thing with these youngsters now, isn't it? They're They're young enough, they're good enough, they're mentally strong enough to just jump on the... Jump on the tour and mix it and win. Oh, there's no fear. I could see. Doc, I, I, I could. Well, there's no fear at all. I could see Redmond now that the putter seems to have connected, having a fantastic week. Mm. So Stewart and Gay, in terms of the old timers, I've gone for my ubiquitous South Korean bet, which tends to go wrong. That's Kong Hung Lee, but 66s was too good a price. And for the young talent angle, I'm going for Doc Redmond at 33 to one. I'll tell you another one I fancy at a big price. Go on. I did mention Weekly, who will be backed in from pillar to post. But George McNeil. Do you remember a few weeks ago he topped, he finished in the top seven in one of these events? George McNeil? Yeah, vaguely. Vaguely remember. Vaguely. That's the thing with George. Everything's vague, isn't it? He's an old campaigner, isn't he, yeah, that barely right, gets yeah. any starts on the PGA yeah, Tour. Yeah, finished sixth, didn't he? That's right. He was sixth at the Sanderson Farms. Um... Another alternate event last year at the Barracuda, he was 13th. Now, the Barracuda's pretty, you know, it's about a bit more about power, that golf course. And then you go back to March, he was 7th at the Corrales. So, two each way payouts in his last three alternate events, and you'll find him at 125 to 1. 
Yeah, as you say, some, some of these players... McNeil. Some of these players do take these events more seriously than others simply because they are. Well, he's an old timer, isn't he? I don't know if he play. Does he play on the on the on the Crinkleys tour? I don't think he does yet. But literally, he just seems to come out for these alternate events. But the best thing is, he actually plays in them very nicely. Mm. So I thought he was a bet. Um, apart from Bo Hosler and uh, Zach Blair, who are you tipping up this week for this one, Paul? <laughs> I haven't quite backed Zach Blair yet, but he is, uh, really? he's, he's staring at me on the uh, on the numbers that I've got in front of me, um, covered in, coloured in a very bright green, which tends to be the uh, the trigger to go and pull. Um, the one I have backed, actually, I like I like uh, from you haven't talked through Brian Gay. I do like the logic with Gay, and um, I think I'll have a little bit of a, a little bit of a bet. He's on, a four time PGA Tour winner, yeah, mate. I know three times in Bermuda as well. He does like he's, he's great. There's a lot to like. There is a lot to like, and uh, I think you made a fantastic case for him just now. So uh, I'm very tempted, I must say. Uh, the one I have backed is Robert Streb at fifty mm, to yeah. one. Similar kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I third in the Barracuda back in July, so there's a bit of uh, tangible form mm. there. Uh, yep. Fifth in the Corn Ferry, the nationwide uh, children tournament they played in August when he was defending. So again, some relatively recent form. But he started well enough this year. Um, sixty five in round two at the Greenbrier. He opened with a sixty five in round one at the Sanderson Farms as well. Twenty eighth on his last start overall at Houston after a slow start. So just some snippets of form there but what um really got me is that if you talk about some of the key attributes of this track bermuda greens coastal track wind in play he was a full house for me when i looked through that relative to the field here he won the he won the rsm classic didn't he at sea island yeah, uh, McGladry, yes, I got uh, back in twenty fourteen yeah, yeah. again, right, yeah. and that was uh, that was banging this time of year. I think it was right at the end of October as well. So, yeah, um, in yep, terms yep, of yep. his biorhythms, that could be nice. And the, the two major top ten finishes here, a WGC top five finish as well to his name. He's at his best. He's a step above the vast majority of this field. So I thought at fifty to one, I was happy to take a little punt on him to see uh, see if he can walk all over this field which um, at his best he should do really but uh, just a few signs that he's, uh, he's starting to find a bit of form so happy to take a punt on Robert Strebens you'll find this will be like one of the European Tour events it's it's a hot potato the lead mm. on Sunday isn't it and they'll all be passing it to each other and eventually someone will just have it have the lead and <laughs> and they'll somehow win it yeah They'll, they'll, find, they'll find, the, uh, that, find that hot potato in their hands on the, tw- on the at the end of the seventy second hole, and uh, hey, presto, they've won the tournament without. without I was more. tempted, Paul, on quite a few. I mean, you look at statistically, Denny McCarthy's always great, mm. um, but you know, a couple of top, couple of top ten finishes, but he hasn't actually had an each way payout in either of those. No, you know, and he's at sixteens. Lanto Griffin's just one. Um, You've also got the likes of Mark Hubbard that's been playing some great stuff. Uh, Sepp Stracker's coming off a fourth. Scott Harrington was runner-up, wasn't he, behind um, behind Lanto Griffin in Houston. That's They've right. all got great statistics. Yeah. But you actually look at winners of these alternate events. Very few of them turn up with a runners-up event, the last one, and then win this. It just doesn't happen. No, expectation's too high, isn't it? Unless you're Colin Morikawa that came off a fourth, who's clearly better it's grade than any of this. Yeah, it's different gravy to these. Um, 
a lot of these players will be arriving actually thinking they've got half a chance and they might look at a Las Vegas book and they're near the top of the betting charts and all of a sudden they throw <laughs> in an opening 76. Yeah, and sayonara. Mm, it just happens, doesn't it? Right. Well, thank you for your time. It's yeah. been great. Lovely. Best of luck this week. Best of luck to you. Best of luck, of course, to our listeners. We'll be back again next week when I believe Paul is in Turkey. Yep. Uh, not physically in Turkey, but he's at the Turkish Open, which is going back to the Max Montgomery. Yeah, yeah the, Mo- the Montgomery Max, where it was held Max, uh, right, right at the start right. of the uh, start of the event a few years back. Yeah. And I'm I'm in Cancun for the uh, Mayakoba Classic, which is a tournament I always like actually. And normally gets a half decent field. So they're the two events for next week. Thank you to listeners. As I said at the start, a uh, rate and review us. We would be most appreciative. And of course, we'll be back next week for the uh, Golf Betting System podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>